We identify the biggest offensive flaw of Lamora Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and how they can fix it moving forward. We talk about all that and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, tuning in with us, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available, as always, all podcasting platforms, including over on video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe for free, both audio and video form. We're a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast. So many news analysis updates. We have it here for you Monday through Friday. And we are going to continue our coverage throughout the course of the rest of the offseason. We do not skip a beat, whether it is the regular season, playoffs, or the offseason. Every weekday, we have it here for you. So tell a friend, tell a family member if they want Ravens coverage. Or if there's a rival team fan, if you have a friend or family member who's a fan of the Bengals or the Steelers or the Browns, they want the opposing team's coverage, be sure to throw them over here our way on Locked on Ravens. Here today, though, very intriguing show, if I do say so myself. Jonah Schaefer of the Baltimore Banner put out a really good article about a flaw of both Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. I'm I'm not going to pin it all on one person, but about what the deep passing game has been for the Ravens and honestly how big of a flaw it was for them last year, for Lamar, for the offense in general. He did a very in-depth breakdown. We're going to talk about that today a little bit, get into the stats behind it in the first segment. And then the second segment, how the Ravens and Lamar can fix that moving forward then in the final segment, we'll flip over to defense, talk about the secondary. So a lot to dive into on today's show. Let's get into it. Let's first start off with the deep flaw passing game, or I guess how, how flawed the passing game was for them in, in the deep ball department last year. Now, Jonas put together a bunch of graphs, a bunch of statistics on his article. So be sure to go check out his article. It's really good work. I'm going to do a brief overview of it here. But I've kind of talked about this a little bit, where Lamar started off I'd say pretty solid in the deep passing game. I think over the first three weeks, we saw a couple of really nice deep throws where he put a lot of air on the ball, was able to get the ball accurately to his target. But then we saw, I think week five to me is the first real inclination of, I I guess, struggle in that department. He missed two wide open throws in a span of three plays and the stats back it up. The eye test backs it up where it just was not a, great year for Lamar Jackson throwing the football deep and that's just what it is I mean I think it's okay to point that out here but again I don't want to pin it all on Lamar Jackson here yes Lamar Jackson is the one throwing the football and and he deserves blame for it but you know there are other factors in this like the the weird personnel groupings with Greg Roman some of the wide receiver talent itself but obviously, if you're the guy throwing the football in, in an NFL setting, you have to make a lot more of those than Lamar made. So overall, Jonas charted all 45 of Lamar Jackson's attempts deep to see what went wrong with them. And Jonas found that he ended up completing 15 of those 45 throws. That's 33.3%. A third of those passes, and that, that excludes Hail Mary attempts 
and throwaways. And look, sometimes you don't need to complete deep passes every single game if you want to win. I mean, in those in that big Cincinnati game, they won that game despite Lamar missing those two wide open touchdowns in a span of three plays. And you know, he acknowledged like the the Tylen Wallace throw was one that a lot of people are like, yeah, you have to make that throw, you have to make that throw. And he himself, I think, was upset. And he's, you know, how we'll talk about how we can fix it in the second segment. But he said that he should have given a little bit more air on that pass. He said that, you know, they won the game, so they're good. But again, it would have been a little easier, I think, if he was able to complete that ball to Tylen Wallace. And for that game in particular, he went one for five on deep passes. But Digging a little deeper, Jonas dug a little deeper on this whole thing. His accuracy on passes of at least 20 air yards has fallen each of the past two seasons, according to Sports Info Solutions as well. And we can look at how Lamar has finished over the last four seasons, and we do see a huge drop-off in 2022. So we'll start in 2019, catchable rate and on-target rate. 2019, Lamar Jackson, deep ball-wise, 52-point Three percent. That's 25th in the NFL, or was 25th in the NFL that year. On target rank, 38.6 percent, which was 28th. 2020 catchable rate, 60.5, which was 20th. 58.1 on target rate, which was 11th. 2021, 61.2 catchable rate, 17th, and 49 percent on target rate, 23rd. 2022, 41 percent, 34th. They were 34 qualified quarterbacks that, that attempted 25 deep passes. Lamar Jackson ranked last. 34th with 41% catchable rate and on target rate was 35.9, which was 32nd or third to last. And again, this is not completely a hundred percent Lamar Jackson's fault, but at the end of the day with a quarterback like Lamar here, who he has shown, like, again, it's not like Lamar has been a bad deep ball passer throughout the course of his career. It actually is an area that I really enjoy him having success in because he can throw a beautiful deep ball and a beautiful spiral. But last year for him was not up to snuff in terms of throwing the ball deep. Now, a lot of things that go into deep ball failure is not just the pass, right? The opposing defense and Jackson supporting cast Jonas found are responsible for 11 and six play failures respectively. So just because Lamar Jackson ranked 34th last in catchable rate and third to last and on target rate doesn't mean that every ball was so overthrown. It was his fault. And there were, there were not any balls near the receivers. And it was everything that just had to do with Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. That's not the case. But to me, I think it is important to highlight at this stage right now, if the Ravens want to make a deeper Super Bowl run, Lamar has to be better in that area. And the Ravens have to be better at supporting him in that area. There are a lot of ways the Ravens can fix this. There are a lot of ways that Lamar Jackson can fix this, but it is kind of funny because he started Jonas literally went through and charted every single throw. It's a really impressive and in-depth article. The first throw of Lamar Jackson season deep was an incompletion with the supporting cast to blame because he might've been in a position to hit Rashad Bateman over the top. He cleared the secondary's back line, but Roman just sent three receivers on threatening routes against seven-man coverage, and Jonas says that it's not a fair fight. Now, the last throw, the last deep throw of Lamar Jackson's season, Jonas says is probably his best, maybe his best, and it's the Deshaun Jackson throw, where I think when everybody saw the Deshaun Jackson signing was, well, he's going to somehow have some crazy 70-yard 
just absolute bomb from Lamar Jackson. And what, what ended up happening? It was a 62 yard pass. The ball traveled 63.2 air yards or yards in the air, according to the NFL's next gen stats. And if Deshaun Jackson that actually kept running after his catch might've been an 85 yard touchdown, but there, there are just all these different things that go into it where you have in order to complete a deep pass in the NFL, so much has to go right for you. Like the ball has to be perfect because NFL defenses, you can bring safety up over the top. You have to beat that safety up over the top. Sometimes there is none because they're blitzing or they just don't play a guy deep, but you have to have the ball perfectly put into a basket or at least in the general vicinity of the receiver. The defense has to either misplay it or there's a great catch by a receiver. You have to have so many things go right for you. So look, I understand that it's very hard to complete a deep pass in the NFL, but you got, you got, you got to do it. I think at a, at a better clip than Lamar did in 2023. And again, it's okay to say, it's okay to say Lamar has flaws here. I'm, I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. I have been for a very, very, very long time, but no one's perfect, right? Everybody has flaws. Everybody, whether it's NFL players, just people in general, everybody has their flaws here. But the good thing about this is that it is fixable for both Lamar and the Ravens. They can both contribute to how this gets fixed. So coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be talking about how the Ravens and Lamar can fix their deep passing game. So be sure to stay tuned, plenty to talk about on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and Baseball season right now. It's in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. So that's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. In the Orioles, it was a crazy, wacky win for them last night. There was a huge delay because of the weather. Jordan Westberg, though, gets his first RBI, first MOB hit. So good start for him. If you want to bet Westberg props or Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson or just the Orioles in general, be sure to do it over at FanDuel. They're a pretty good bet right now, honestly. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used for permission. We're back here, our second part of Locked On Ravens Tuesday style, Taco Tuesday here on the show, Kevin Oshreker still here with you again. Thank you so much for being here with us, making us your first listen every day on Locked On Ravens as we continue talking about this team that, again, training camp is slowly creeping up. It's not here yet, so a few weeks away. But as we continue to get closer, it gets more and more exciting. And part of that is just the improvements that the Ravens can make, obviously, in 2023. We talk about the deep passing game, Jonas Schaefer's article from Baltimore Banner and a really good job by him. A lot of credit to Jonas for what he was able to do. Just diving into that again, just a summary. Lamar was the worst passer in terms of catchable rate on his deep passes in 2022. And then ended up being third to last, unfortunately in the on target rate. So there's a lot of improvement there, but again, it's, it's not just a Lamar thing. It is Lamar thing, but it's not just a Lamar thing. So how can this be fixed? How can Lamar fix it? How can the Ravens fix it? Well, for Lamar, I think he lost confidence a little bit in his deep all over the course of the season. Because, again, I think we saw it be somewhat decent for him. I mean, look, in that game against the Jets, he had three touchdowns on deep balls. He threw four deep balls in the week two game against the Dolphins. He had two completions, two of four. That's not bad. The, the New England game was a little bit more iffy, had an interception, but did have two touchdowns on deep balls 
again. And then one for two in the Bills game in week four. I really do think it came, well, the, the, the inconsistency started to come when it was that week five game. So to me, Lamar just has to have a little bit more confidence in his deep ball moving forward. And I think part of that is the trust that he can develop with his receivers over the course of this offseason or as the offseason continues here with Odell, with Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. And that's part of it, too. I think the Ravens went out and just got better personnel for Lamar in the deep passing game, where Zay Flowers, for example, is a three-level receiver. We've talked about that here on the show. He is going to be able to do so much damage in multiple aspects of the game. Now, Zay Flowers is not like a 4-2 speed guy. I think he, I, my favorite term is deceptive speed. <laughs> I think I use it a ton. But he does. He has deceptive speed where you can't fall asleep on him in the deep passing game rolls. He is going to burn you. It's all, it's honestly kind of like Rashad Bateman, where I'm not sure how much speed Odo has left in the tank here. He was never really a speed guy to begin with. But with Rashad Bateman, we've seen the, the deep explosive passing game with Lamar and with Rashad Bateman work to perfection. And, and I know that, you know, a, a slant for a touchdown is not a deep pass. That they've had success 20 plus yards, 30 plus yards. They've had that. Devin Duvernay contested catches on deep throws from Lamar that were placed perfectly. Th those balls to Devin Duvernay early in the season, you know, the Jets game comes to mind, a couple others as well, where Lamar puts that ball in such a precise spot. Those are the types of throws I want to see a little bit more here. But part of this also is just scheming guys open and helping Lamar in those situations, maybe rolling him out a little bit. Lamar getting more air under those balls. I think I think Lamar sometimes just over-anticipated or sometimes under-anticipated where his targets were going to be. And again, it is not easy. It is not easy to complete a deep pass in the NFL. But you have to have those big explosive plays, especially on offense, in order to keep a defense honest. You know, you can't just have everybody up in the box. And with Lamar's passing last year, deep passing game being what it was, Maybe teams start the year and circle that up and say, oh, well, you know, we see this area that Lamar didn't do super well in last year. We're, we're going to try to bring more guys up. And it's not just the simplest stopping the run game anymore, right? Like, I think that was the the go-to for a lot of teams. Was, oh, we'll, we'll stop the run and we'll force the Ravens to throw. And that, like, it didn't work. Like, it did to an extent sometimes. But, you know, the whole thing with, what was it, Baker Mayfield back in, was it 2019? I think it was 2019 when he said, you know, just, just, you know, make him throw the ball or make him throw the ball and we win the game and it's our game or something like that. I can't remember the exact words, but that was never a thing. And it's not going to be a thing because Lamar is a good thrower of the football. But to me, I think the Ravens have taken steps to fixing the deep passing game. And I think it's something Lamar is working on this offseason. Obviously, I'm not like there with him, but I feel like Lamar understands. And look, he he takes his mistakes seriously. He, he beats himself up over it. He's very competitive. And I think he is aware that last year was not his best in terms of that. But it's, again, the thing that gives me hope with this is – that he has not been a bad deep ball passer for the entirety of his NFL career for his four years as a starter. Yeah. 2022 was by far the worst year for him as a deep ball passer. I think you can arguably call 2022, the most inconsistent the offenses looked with Lamar under center it, with a almost fully healthy cast of guys there. I know, I know it wasn't fully healthy. I, I know it wasn't with the Bateman injury, the Duvernay injury, but when we look, what, what my point is, is when those guys were out there, Earlier in the season, before Bateman went down, before Duvernay went down, before Andrews had a couple injuries here and there, 
it looked decent for those first three, first four weeks. 11th and on-target rate in 2020. 17th and catchable rate in 2021. Now, you don't want to strive to be, you know, just the middle of the pack in terms of deep ball accuracy. You want, you want to continue to improve upon that. And I think there are areas Lamar Jackson has a team he's working with. Obviously, Todd Munkin coming in. T. Martin as well, who was flipped over from wide receivers coach to quarterbacks coach, which is more natural for him anyway. I think Baltimore is much more set up this year, especially with the Beckham, Bateman, and Flowers trio. You still have Duvernay. And honestly, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, again, has been like the stud of offseason workouts for the Ravens so far, OTAs and minicamp. He's a burner. He's a speedster guy, a deep ball threat. You know, he is someone who you target him in the deep passing game. And look, is he going to drop a couple passes? Is he going to contribute to the supporting cast failure for a couple of deep ball passes Lamar doesn't hit because of, you know, drop? bounces off his hands or something maybe honestly probably but also I think there's a lot to be said about the improvement Baltimore has made just in getting better wide receivers for Lamar anyway and then also I think Lamar's willingness hopefully you know this is not hopefully to fix this problem that he had last year because look it was it was an issue for them I think that a lot could have been different. Now, obviously, Lamar got hurt anyway in the passing offense. Tyler Huntley, it's not great because Tyler Huntley also is statistically one of the worst deep ball passes in the NFL, at least was two years ago, and I don't think it improved last year. So the Ravens just as a whole, personnel-wise, quarterback-wise, wide receiver-wise, coaching-wise, player-wise, just struggled immensely throwing the ball deep. And it just was a huge issue for him. And that's a big thing to struggle with in today's in today's game. When a lot of it is throwing the football and picking up chunk plays and making sure you can punish a defense for maybe cheating up too much on a play where they want to send six or send seven or send even eight guys. You have to be able to punish them deep. And the Ravens just did not do that enough. Lamar did not do that enough in 2022 but hopefully in 2023 Lamar's improvements the Ravens improvements can help them be a better team in that regard and they'll be able to really really kick it up a notch and make sure that they can punish those defenses for what would be mistakes in covering the Ravens deep passing game maybe how they will early in the season and maybe being soft in that area but coming up in the final part of the show here we'll flip over to defense and speaking of secondaries talk about the Ravens secondary and how big their ceiling is how high it is moving forward in 2023 so be sure to stay tuned plenty to talk about on locked on ravens we're back here our final segment of locked on ravens kevin ostriker still here with you on tuesday taking you through the biggest Ravens storylines and again i know training camp is not here yet so we're kind of we're in that lull period but there's still stuff to talk about especially when it comes to the ravens secondary before we get into that though again thank you for tuning in with us and uh be sure to subscribe youtube and audio form as well i appreciate all the support with you and every day or you listen every day if it's your first time tuning in today or if you're somewhere in the middle there thank you thank you thank you for all the support but secondary wise it's interesting the ravens the corner position is one where you wonder outside of ron humphrey and rocky i see and what is it going to be it's all the young guys but then safety you have marcus williams you have kyle hamilton as well Gino stone is in that room And I think the conversation around the secondary is so interesting, depending on who you look at, who you talk to. In the Ravens late for work, Kyle Barber, friend of the show, Kyle Barber, pointed to a PFF article by John Costco, who 
believes that the Ravens can be the number one secondary in the NFL. John said the Ravens secondary struggled for parts of the early season, but ended the campaign as the NFL's 10th highest graded unit. The slow start was to be expected given new pieces, a new defensive coordinator, but Humphrey and company will be tough to pass on this year. Now that they've had a full year to play together, Hamilton earned the highest grade of any safety in the NFL in 2022, while Humphrey was reliable as ever. This could end up being the best unit in the league by the end of the year. And that's a high bar. It's a high bar to set for a secondary that we don't really know what the corner position is going to look like outside of Humphrey and Yassine. What's going to make or break the secondary, in my opinion? We'll talk about this throughout the course of the offseason. And just as maybe the Ravens sign a guy or don't, I think that decision is going to be something we'll talk about a ton and could loom large when it comes to either the success or the failure of the unit as a whole is going to come down to the young players. I mean, that's just what it's going to be. You know, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, Rakassian, even Geno Stone, you know those are solid players. But can Pepe Williams step up? Can Jalen Armour Davis step up? Trayvon Mullen or Darius Washington, even a rookie like a Caillou Blue Kelly, those are all players that you look at and say, we, we need you here. <laughs> like If you're the Ravens, you're looking at them and saying, we need you to step up because what, what if, and honestly, I do not hope this happens, you know, I'm knocking on wood. If you have wood, knock on it. But if Marlon Humphrey goes down, that room is just, it's all but over, essentially. Not that I don't have confidence in the young guys, but they don't have another Marlon Humphrey on that roster. Not a lot of teams have one Marlon Humphrey on their roster, let alone saying, no, yeah, well, we just have this other guy waiting in the wings here. Rock Essien's a really solid two to three option. He's not Marlon Humphrey. These young guys, they're not Marlon Humphrey. But if these guys can play in tandem with Marlon Humphrey and take the burden off of him a little bit. He doesn't have to play in the slot. Like to me, my one of my favorites in that room is Ardarius Washington. I've talked about him a lot. If he wins out that slot job over Pepe Williams, and I think both those guys have potential to do some damage and, and have a really, really good positional battle over the course of training camp. You don't have to worry about your slot guy. If you can afford to play Kyle Hamilton more in the role, I think John Harbaugh wants to play him in anyway, which is, the pure safety role, you know, you can move him around the field still. But with Chuck Clark being now a member of the New York Jets and unfortunately not playing this year with his torn ACL, which is another storyline in itself. But regardless, with Chuck Clark not being there anymore, you did that if you're the Ravens to free up playing time for Hamilton and free up playing time in that one specific area for Kyle Hamilton. Where, look, Hamilton was a great slot for them last year. He did a really good job being physical at the line. And a player with his frame in the slot, I think, is such an anomaly in today's game where it's so interesting to think about just like a huge safety player lining up against these smaller slot receivers. And it's not just smaller slot, guys. Teams line up everybody in the slot nowadays. You know, it's very rare that you see a receiver not have inside-outside versatility. At least I would say it is. It's less rare now than it was even two years ago, three years ago, it's much more common today. You're going to see all these star guys line. I mean, Justin Jefferson and a, you can play AJ Brown as a big slot. And, you know, all the, all these toppers Cooper cup, obviously is one of the better receivers in this game. All those guys can play in the slot. So to me, I think that what the Ravens can do secondary wise largely has to do with their young players. Safety wise is not as big as a concern for me, especially because we saw what Marcus Williams did last year, right? We we saw the impact. Speaking of deep balls, (laughs) Marcus Williams was the ball hawk he was advertised to be. My, my, My whole saying is that, Five-year, $7 million deal. Marcus Williams is so worth the money, it's not even funny. It's a little, a little rhyming in there. I'm very, I'm very proud of it, by the way. But to me, I think that what the Ravens have there 
with Williams, with Hamilton, Geno Stone, who I still think is very underrated. You know, he's not a player that's going to wow you with his stats or with anything, but is around the ball. He's shown to have those really high IQ ball instincts and someone who I think is a very smart football player, very smart guy overall. That that position to me is not a huge concern. Now, if Williams or Hamilton were to go down, that's a little bit of a, of a different story. It's not the catastrophic event I think that Marlon Harvey going down would cause. I think it's still a huge problem if it happens, but I feel a lot more confident in the safety room right now than I do in the corner room. And it's so weird to say that about a Marlon Humphrey-led room because I am so confident in Marlon Humphrey. And remember when we were talking in 2021 about Marlon Humphrey in his down year and every, not everybody, but people were saying, oh, you know, is he really a top five guy? Is he really that good? And I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And he bounced back and had one of his best seasons in 2022. He's a top five player at that position. He's better than top five to me personally, but he's a guy that you know you can rely on. Rocky and again, solid. You can rely on him, but it's going to come down to those young players. It, it just is. And if they can't step up, this this is a receiver league now. Like I, we talked about Cincinnati last week with Kadri Ismael and if the Ravens can take back the AFC North from the Bengals. It's a really exciting show we did there. And we talked about Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do so. But my one reservation, or maybe not one, but one of my biggest reservations about saying, well, can the Ravens actually do this thing? I, I think they can, by the way. But one of my biggest reservations about it was, well, we know the Bengals have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. The Ravens have Marlon Humphrey and Rocky Asin, but who, who's their third guy that's checking one of those guys? Is it Kyle? Are you putting Kyle Hamilton in the slot for those matchups? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Is Pepe Williams going to be the guy who checks one of those three? Is Ardarius Washington? Is Jalen Armour Davis? Is Kyle Blue Kelly? Is Trayvon Mullen? They need to have at least, at least three playable guys. Brandon Stevens is playing safety this year. That's, that's another guy I forgot to mention. Brandon Stevens, John Harbaugh did say, is moving back into the safety role. So he's been flip-flopped all over the place. You know, we, we talked about this running back in college, then moved over to corner, then flipped over to safety, then flipped over to corner, then flipped back to safety. He, he's been on a weird career path, even dating back to college and even maybe even high school, if you want to go back that far. But it's going to be up to these young cornerbacks to make or break the year for the Ravens secondary. It, it just is. And if you aren't getting the year you need from those guys with how the NFL is built, like Pittsburgh, for example, there are three with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Allen Robinson. You're not as worried about an Allen Robinson is your third guy. For Cleveland, it's, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper. You know, you're, you're not as worried about Donovan Peoples-Jones as your number three. So I'm not saying the Ravens have to have three star cornerbacks or else they're doomed this year. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But I personally would like to see one of these guys step up. And when it comes to the ceiling of the secondary, the ceiling, you know, being the number one unit or being a top five unit or whatnot, is going to come down because we know Marlon Humphrey can do his thing. We know Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton and Rocky Essien, but we, we don't know. The unknowns are what I think can propel this unit over the top to become that, or whether it's just going to be a, well, Mar Marlon Humphrey's great, Marcus Williams is great, but they don't have much else outside of the, you can call it the big four, I guess, in Yassine, Humphrey, Hamilton, and Williams. But we'll see how it all plays out for him. But I'm excited to see it because for the Ravens and their defense, we saw so much potential over the course of the year. 
where, again, it started off slow a little bit with, with Mike McDonald trying to find his way, the defense as a whole trying to find their way. They bring in Roquan Smith, though, and the defense, I just think, took off and showed me a lot. So I'm excited to see them hopefully continue to build off of that and figure out how they can continue to assert their dominance over the course of the year this year. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe in audio form. It is free, no money involved on the show. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content from us. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.